Welcome to Greenlight Pod. Please check us out on Chalk Media at Twitter. Uh, follow us there and then also head over to the YouTube page uh, to see a lot more of our content. Chalk Media, YouTube. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. On today's snow show, uh, and we are not no shows on today's snow show, we, I took an hour ride here. I took a 30-minute ride here from two minutes away. Takes me eight minutes to get here usually. We're going to talk about snow, coaches, wildcard weekend, Kyle Long, maybe a little Tom Brady, some other stuff. By the way, uh, maybe a Vince Carter mention, so we're going to get the NBA in here. Uh, so Kelly, Kelly Kapowski, too. Oh, and I got rear-ended on the way to work today. Are you okay? I'm not sure. Ah. Oh. start the show like that they're rolling right i reckon that's what we're like behind the scenes meteorologists in central virginia did not have their best day yesterday because we did not see this coming no i think charlottesville city and, and the county here and i've been critical before on certain other things but this is this is uh not their best day now granted it's only three inches but three inches in Charlottesville, Virginia is That's a, a lot. Is That's a what foot she said. Elsewhere. That's yeah. what she I said. was waiting for that. Yeah, you served it up Federer style here on the uh I I'm gonna keep it cleaner today. It's twenty twenty. I'm gonna be as clean as possible. I'm not gonna cuss. Did you happen to check out our live stream on Sunday? Yeah, we cussed. Cussed up well, you cussed. Cussed up a storm. You made a joke that was vulgar. No, no, no. I, you misspoke on yes. something. What did you say? On the I, live? I, I was giving dating advice. I'd rather not repeat it. How did you like the live stream? <laughs> I liked it. I liked it a lot. <laughs> now, I've, uh, I've spoken to a couple clients today. Oh, boy. And uh, they both said that they tuned in, which terrifies me. That terrifies me, too. To maybe, no end. Maybe. And by the way, for prospective clients, my man has his... First off, welcome to Greenlight, episode 20. Thank you. Milestone. Yeah, 20. 20 in 2020. One-fifth of the way to 100. Mm. That'll be here before you know it, won't it? It's just, it's just time flies when you're having fun. Yeah. And you were he, talking about my career? Yeah. <laughs> so, Macon, for those of you who, uh, who are joining us, uh, and I always have to remind everybody, is a prolific real estate agent. I think you transcend the business, so it's hard to even call you an agent. It's got you. You need another, another term. I, I think you've done so well at it. You've ascended so quickly. Mogul, a mogul. You're too kind. In an old man's game, I mean, you are a young man. You are McVeigh. You were uh -oh. the you were the Sean McVeigh. Now, as long as you don't do a golf thing, yeah, should be all right. I'm the Joe Judge. Eh, just quietly build. <laughs> Joe Judge is not, Macon's also not just a real estate agent. He's a Giants fan, and we'll get to that. But he has to leave today at some point because he has to push MLS, and MLS is, of course, an acronym for. What is it? Multiple listing sales? Service. Service? Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, yeah, he's pushing multiple listings out in three inches of snow, which feels like a foot in Charlottesville, as you mentioned. Got to get it done. Uh, I was rear-ended today on the way in. I heard about that. Let's talk about your health. Let's talk about your vehicle. Yeah. The other person. Yeah, let's talk about that. I've been rear-ended in my lifetime probably four times. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah, I'm a zero. I'm starting to feel targeted. Um, I Yeah. Knock on these shag chairs. We got we got great chairs, by the way. Um, yeah, I was uh, I was going about zero miles an hour, <laughs> as you usually are when you get rear-ended. Uh, but it was stop and go traffic. wasn't even a big hill, and uh, I look up and see um, a car just sliding at me, mm. and there's nothing you can do. Uh, a Jetta. Good Ooh. on you for not having your eyes on your mobile. Yeah, well, you know, I drive safe. So, I mean, in traffic, every now and again, I might look at a text. But in this situation, I'm not, you know, my phone's in the cup holder. And I just get rammed. And I don't know, my necks. I had some neck problems when I played. Unbeknownst to some people, I had like a... I wouldn't, a, as, as your counsel, I wouldn't advise you to say that. Yeah. Your neck was fine throughout your career. My neck was out there. I did not slip a disc You've never once had back in 17 or, or head issues in last year um in all seriousness for like eight weeks last year i couldn't turn my head um <laughs> during the season to look at people it's finally cleared up but this uh this here accident i don't know nice white jetta nice lady probably a, i think she was like a grad student i'm thinking in all seriousness um I get out of the car and my first thought is don't look scary because I feel bad for the person that rear ends me, not the other way around. It wasn't that bad. I mean, she's not trying to hit me in the, in the back of my vehicle. Um, and it's, I drive a relatively nice car. It uh, is. It's a nice car. Yep. You like the color? Yeah, I do. Okay. Kind of like my sweater today. Mm, nice kind of temp. It is. It's Eagles green. It is midnight green. I call it NyQuil, but I'm not going to give you the make and model. It's a nice car. It is. Um, Damage and, done. Let's and, hear it. And homegirl smoked like some small piece of my vehicle, um, and it's like hanging off. <laughs> and I, I get out, and I'm six foot four, 253 pounds, thank you very much at this point, yeah, and I always want to be very inviting. Six foot three and a half, yeah. So my first, yeah. So my first, uh, my first words are, I, I think I said, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I felt like totally Canadian. It's not, it's not my fault at all, but I'm in a situation where I am a very large man and she ran into a nice car and she's probably petrified. I want to, I want to nominate myself as the friendliest guy you could rear end in traffic. Maybe so town of 50,000 here. You're C Long. Did she know who you were? I don't think so, and I love that. Um, did we you ex exchange information. Information. Yeah. I don't think we did it the. I don't think we did it way. the conventional way. And I realize this. I don't think a lot of younger people at this point know how to do that. I'm uh, 33. I've again never had to do that. So what? Name, insurance. We did email. Email. Yeah, totally. Totally You're gonna keep this off the books. Nice. Totally not advisable, but. She seemed very honest. I'm putting it out here in the pod. There's a little piece hanging off, which I got stopped in traffic again by some dude who hopped out and knocked on my window. 
and said, hey, man, there's a piece of your car hanging off. Thanks. Thank you. Just rear-ended about 300 yards back there. Yeah. Then the dude's, like, walking back to his car, and he's slipping. <laughs> um, I got, you know, I got those videos. I think people now, when it's snowing and they live by a hill, they just sit outside with their cell phone. Yeah. Die, old died tip sent us a couple. Yeah, Matt Conrad. He lives in front of one of the most giant hills in Charlottesville, and I, it's like a party of 18-wheelers. They're going to be stuck there for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Soundtrack of, of, uh, of that road is the, the uh, reverse beep. Yeah, but it's uh, it, it's, it's a uh, double. It's so there's two hills. Right. It's like a bowl. There's no getting out. So uh, thoughts and prayers to those those eighteen wheel. Roll on highway. Roll on along. Roll, roll on, on daddy, daddy till, till you, you get, get back, back home. home, Alabama. Anyways, I get really excited when it's snowing. It's my favorite thing in the world. I think people that don't like snow, they had a bad childhood or something. I'm not sure. I love I love snow. Um. And I love dressing like this. I look like uh, this is an outfit that you would put a baby in. Yeah. And I put it on myself. You look like. You look like a baby. Yeah, I look like a big ass baby. Yeah. Which might have made it less intimidating for me getting out of, uh, of the car. Now, what slippers. would you call this? Fleece? Yeah, slippers, pajama pants, fleece. Fleece, green fleece pajama pants, nice thermal wool socks smart wool when it becomes smart wool season i almost resent summer because i can't wear my smart wool when i start being able to throw on the smart wool at night my ugg slippers i get to throw on like this this puffy shit i got on i got a a a waffle shirt with the henley look going i am the most comfortable man on the eastern seaboard and i love snow days another thing i love is is uh is cold shower season i don't know if you're Hmm. familiar with wim hoff no wim hoff is a dude and i'm gonna butcher this whole thing as i do a lot on this pod but he's a dude from like finland or thereabouts you want to look him up yeah i think he might be from he's one of those nordic cats and this guy climbed kilimanjaro in just boxers and i know a lot of you have probably heard of wim hoff if you spend a lot of time on the internet born in the netherlands yeah close enough a lot of rivers and bridges and canals. It's far north. Um, Wim Hof, do you want to give me his his short bio? Because I know we just skipped the corrections. 60 years of age, six feet tall, known as the Iceman, Dutch extreme athlete. Extreme athlete. I mean, he gets like ass naked and runs around on like glaciers and stuff and spends hours outside. Not advisable. No shoes. That's the worst part. I mean, you want to say run a marathon in the snow, you know, in one of those Speedos you see European dudes at, you know, wearing on the beach in South Beach. He's doing that on, like, by a glacier, um, like the Revenant, with no shoes. That's the worst part. He can also submerge himself in ice-cold water, like ice baths, up to the neck for hours, and his body temperature doesn't drop. There's all this stuff. Actually, his body temperature, I think, rises. There's all this stuff that he claims that he's kind of like a superhero, and I kind of believe it. So check out Wim Hof. But one of the big things I took from Wim Hof, and I will never run around in the snow in a thong. Not going to do it. I wouldn't even know where to find a glacier. Um, one of the best things about Wim Hof is this cold shower thing. Cryotherapy's great. Don't have a cryo machine? 
hop in a really cold shower. I'm sure somebody's going to critique me and tell me that it's 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 um scientifically much different. If you can stand your shower being as cold as possible, hop in there to start your day. You can't do it in the summer because a lot of the water gets heated up to a point where it's not frigid. But when it gets cold enough, I start my day off and I get addicted to it. These ice cold showers, you get in there for like a minute and you damn near hyper hyperventilate. Doesn't, it's not as bad as it sounds, but then your, your breathing gets controlled and you feel good. It's almost like you get out of the shower with a, with a buzz and they say it raises a bunch of hormones in your body that you absolutely need to elevate your mood, the way you feel the rest of the day. I am endorsing the Wim Hof method in the shower. You just do it for a minute? Yeah, about a minute if you can stand it. I, it's life-changing. And is that your complete shower? A lot of times it can be. Um, do you soap up? in that minute yeah for sure i mean but i take three showers a day yeah so like I like showers too. yeah showers are great i would even advise you to take showers but your subsequent showers are warmer yeah like i do take a number of warm showers but i try to get one shower a day the first one yes it's hard to explain to my son who's waiting for me to get out of the shower at like bedtime because you know we're getting him in you know in his routine trying to get his pjs on i gotta rinse off and i try to do my cold shower he's around the corner he's like why is dad breathing hard in the shower? Mm. That's not really something I want him to go to school talking about. But it's the Wim Hof method. I feel much better. Sometimes you do it before bed. It can be calming. Your mind's racing at night. Try the cold showers. Um, so look up Wim Hof. I don't know. So, you, you can't sue this podcast, can you, if somebody freezes to death in their shower or tries to run a marathon out by a glacier? Say uh, that you're not a doctor and you're not giving medical advice. I'm not a doctor. I'm not giving medical advice. I just fucking, <laughs> I just love Wim Hof. Well, I didn't, how, I, how long did we get? I didn't finish Seven the word. Minutes, I minutes. didn't finish nice. the word. Okay, that's one. So we're pretty low. I love Wim Hof. W-I-M-H-O-F for the people. Yeah. So I was rear-ended. I like cold showers. Um, all having to do with snow, cold water warm clothes. I'm really into this winter thing. I never was, but now that I'm retired, I want to shout out my dad who had a birthday this week. Big Howie, uh, 60 years old. Gonna, 60. Gonna wow. need his skin care plan. Yeah. 60. And I know, I know for a fact he's not stabbing his face with needles. Yeah. He's just got these like these jeans, man. I don't know what it is. He's, he, he's a clean living guy. He looks about what forty eight, and yet the people know that you're thirty four. Yeah, I know. So it doesn't much add up. No, it doesn't add up. Uh, for for me, um, I think a lot of it is is him being a clean liver, doesn't drink, um, gets sleep, loves to sleep. Dude's a nap all star. Dude could nap at six o'clock. How disorienting is waking up at seven o'clock from a nap? Depends on how long the nap is, but yeah. Hour, time. two hours. Oof. Nap, naps need to be 30 tops, I'm telling you. I 20 disagree. to 30. I could take a, a mean two-hour nap, but I want it at like 9 a.m. Mm. You know, 9, 10 a.m. A nap in the morning on a day that you got to go out drinking later is a great move. If you can, you know, you know when you have kids one day, they're going to force you to wake up a little bit earlier than you like. You got to act, you know, like you're, like you're pitching in. My wife... Act like you're pitching in. My wife is an all-star. I mean, she kills it in the morning, and I am not a morning person. 
I try to get up as early and as respectfully as I can, but she definitely is uh, is carrying the weight of the AM routine with the kids. But if you can get a nap in the morning, I think it's great. My dad, we digress here on the nap thing. My dad's 60 years old, 60's a new 20. Um, I hope I'm as cool as you when I get to be 60. Uh, also, my brother, Kyle Long, Try to steal my dad's thunder on his birthday, you know, retiring. It's the ultimate dick move. He also wore his number. Is he? Is he just? Was it a tribute or is it a? Is he, uh, yeah. What's going on here, Kyle? I mean, I know you had to retire sometime. And by the way, in all seriousness, I am so proud of my brother, man. Seven years in the NFL and, you know, three Pro Bowls. He was a fixture in Chicago, um, and he got a chance to play in one place for the same seven years, which is a remarkable feat in today's world in football. Um, any stretch longer than five or six on one team means you're a pretty damn good player. And uh, I know how much he had to deal with being not only my dad's son, but my brother, uh, which is not like being my dad's son, but you know, now I'm Kyle Long's brother. You know, so congrats to him. I mean, I'm I'm very I'm very proud of that that dude. He grew up in Chicago. I mean, he said it uh, in a tweet that he became a man in Chicago, and uh, and that's why I think it's so valuable to retire and have roots. I mean, a lot of these guys, and I did it at the end of my career. I had to leave, but my team that I played on left for L.A., so I didn't really have a choice. But and I got cut. That little detail. Um, after two years on IR, Kyle gets a chance to call one place home. You know, there's media opportunities there. He's probably going to have a home there in some capacity. He's got fans that love him there. It's really cool. And my proudest uh, moments with Kyle were not the Pro Bowl years. Um, you know, it's great. Um, getting 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 get fights with him on the getting, yeah, getting recognized is great. But I want to see what you do when the chips are down. And uh, he, he, the last few years, handled himself with class and kept getting up off the mat with a lot of injuries that are really hard. And now he's, he's north of 30. So, I mean, it's not like he were, you know, he's retiring from an age standpoint early. So great career. Um, very proud of you. And you're, at the end of the day, you're, you're my brother first. So this doesn't, like, what are we doing now, man? Like, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for the next chapter. Try to think of retirement as a transition not a um the end of a chapter i mean this is just life goes on you'll do something else you'll be awesome at it he is a really funny engaging dude with a big heart uh he's riding around on a, a little motorcycle somewhere down in costa rica be safe yeah be safe Kyle. on little motorcycles i'm sure the little little motorcycle doesn't appreciate it no a story i told on Rosillo was um the first time me and my brother played and again it's little brother big brother i know he you know, he doesn't compete with me, but, you know, he wants to play well the day he plays his big brother. And he was a really good player right off the bat in the league. And we played them uh, in St. Louis. And, of course, a lot of people probably know this. Uh, he got in a big fight with my best friend. And I said it on the ringer pod, William Hayes was – I looked out on the field and Kyle was dragging William Hayes down the sideline like Waylon drags his stuffed animals. Like, William was powerless. I saw the look in his eyes. And William to this day contends that if he would have gotten off his back, he would have whooped Kyle's ass. Mm. Um, 
And and the worst part about that weekend is that there's so much pressure. Kyle wants to play well. I get it. He also has a shorter fuse than me. And we've got 35 people there, family, friends, etc. There's a big dinner planned afterwards, which of course I'm gonna be left to host. So I don't wanna lose. And I sure don't want my brother to get ejected because it's gonna ruin the day and his dumb ass <laughs> is gonna get on a plane. What's wrong? I'm just watching you run off the sideline. Which did you get why didn't you get penalized for that? Did you? Uh, I didn't get penalized. I think they missed it in real time because I ran off the sideline with such confidence. I don't think anybody's ever run off the sideline. We need to put this in on post, but Yeah, we can put it in on post. There's a flag comes out here and then you just bolt as fast as I've ever seen you run. Look at that. I mean, I look fast. Yeah. Well, because Kyle's like I said, Kyle's got uh Kyle has got William Hayes in a bear hold. I mean, like that's what it feels like to get mauled by a grizzly bear. And William Hayes is one of the strongest people I've ever met. The year before that happened, and he's in a rage right now. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> I gotta go to dinner later with all these tense motherfuckers and oh, I already cussed a bunch. These tense people and Kyle's gotta go to Kyle's gotta get on his team plane. Um Look at this, just totally unnecessary by Kyle. Yeah, not a fumble, that's a forward pass. So William's a really big instigator. I talk about William Hayes on this pod a lot. He, um, he was talking shit to Kyle the whole game, uh, just trying to rile him up. And I'm like, Will, don't do it, don't do it. We had been on vacation a year earlier, myself, the Rams D-line mostly. This was when Kyle was coming out of Oregon. We went to Vegas, Memorial Day, rehab pool party. Kyle hanging out with William Hayes, their best buddies. Get back to the room every day. <laughs> William Hayes is so cool. I love him. Just wait. Kyle actually carried me out of rehab that day. 5 p.m. I go from drinking by the cabanas to getting carried like a, an infant out of rehab by my collegiate brother. Back you, you won't let go of him. I won't let go of his jersey. Now you're lecturing. My veins are popping out of my neck. There's Alshon. Alshon was, uh, was in Chicago. Um, hopefully we can add this in post. It's a good video. You know what I'm saying to Kyle there? I'm saying, are you fucking kidding me, dude? If, like, not, if I, not, Chris Long, Kyle Long, fight, I think is the first Google Yeah, result. just Google it. Um, and it's so funny because a lot of people think we got in a fight. We did not get in a fight. I was trying to avoid him getting ejected. So I saved him money. He owes me. Um, also, other great Kyle stories. He once fractured my rib. Do you know this part, this one? Mm -mm. So joint practices, um, when he was in Chicago, came up to New England, and I was running a loop stunt from left end, and that means I'm crossing the guard's face. Um, I crossed his face, I beat him, and Kyle was like, I'm not letting my brother beat me in joint practice, so he whips around with his right arm to try to stop me, like, you know, just like a, what are they, what are they, what's that thing in a parking lot? A gate, parking gate. He's gonna be like a parking gate. Cause I'm already past him by about a yard. He whips his arm around and hits me right in the rib cage. Fractured rib, I felt that for probably six to eight weeks. And thank you for that, Kyle. Um, next time, just let me beat you in practice. Well, there is no next time. Another thing we, sure the, we shared the field, the, Double doink night, which will come up in a bit. Um, also, just when you watch your brother 
play football for a long time, and I said this yesterday on The Ringer, I'm watching a toddler, and I'm not meaning that disparagingly. Like, my little brother will always be my little brother. I don't care how big he gets. I don't care how successful he gets. To me, I see the same kid with that curly blonde hair and a scar on his head from when I hit him with a baseball bat by accident, 36 stitches, worst day of my life. He was being helpful. He was, we were playing baseball behind the house. How old? Man, I was probably, I mean, he's four years younger than me, three and a half years younger than me, so I was probably five or six, and he was probably like three. And my dad t- will tell the story and say, when I wanna, there was so much blood, Chris. It was terrifying. I mean, it scarred me probably mentally for a long time as a kid because I did not mean to hit him at all. Like, why would a five-year-old hit his brother? I mean, he was a little metal bat, but it split him right here, 36 stitches. Supposedly, you could see, you could see his skull. That's gross. It's really gross, but this, you know, the, the moral of the story is I still see that kid with the little scar on his head, the blonde curls, uh, you know, then the kid that... Um, you know, it was too big for his body in high school, didn't know what he was doing, but just everything he did, he was great at. I mean, whether it was baseball, whether it was football, you want to play baseball? Throw in 96, we talked about in a live stream, Eric McGrain, Coach Wookie was here. He was telling a story about Kyle was a left-hander, drafted by the White Sox, threw 96, 96 topped out at as a lefty at 290 pounds. How scary was that? And he had good movement on his ball, could hit the ball about 500 feet. He, um... He was throwing 91 all day in states, and some kid, like, I don't know what it was. He beamed him or something, or he he, he, pin, he, pin, he pimped a home run. Yeah. And then so Kyle, the next at bat, he's been throwing 91, 91, 91, 96, drills the kid. Yeah. So he had a little bit extra in the tank. You know, I've got plenty of stories. of When, when, I, was 12, when I was 14, he was in Little League. I was, like, a Kyle super fan. I'd go to his Little League games, him and Howie, because they were on All-Stars together. Shout out to Howie Jr. First shout out on the Greenlight Pod. Way overdue. Really first? Probably. I have a, I'm going to interject. When did we talk about Howie J? Howie Jr.? I don't know. At some point. Well, Big Howie did, I know. Okay, Big Howie did. Howie and Kyle used to fight like adult men at school and get pulled out of school. Now, one was a foot taller than the other one, but Howie did not give a shit. He would pick up. Picture frames, foreign objects, like whatever. That was his move. Like, and it probably still is if it came down to it. But Howie is not afraid of Kyle. Yeah. Howie is less afraid of Kyle than 99.9% of the planet. Kyle used to play Little League Baseball with, you know, Howie and Kyle. Kyle was the pitcher, or Howie was the catcher. Kyle was the pitcher. And they used to get into fights on the mound when Kyle, Howie would come out and lecture him, like looking right up at him <laughs> and being like, you know, like throw strikes or whatever, like not the curveball, man. Like, and, and, and how he's just ordering him around. It was like pinky in the brain. Kyle was a really good little league player as well. And, and, and I would go sit out in the outfield and I, I remember catching one of his home run, run balls with my bare hand in the city championship. So like I've been watching Kyle do little league, then take his baseball talents down to Tallahassee, not for him left there. Juco, think I pl- think I'll come out for the football team. I remember I was pretty good. I was getting offers from Ohio State and such, like a four or five star kid. I think I'll play Juco Juco football. Okay, two years later, first round pick. 
Um, went to Oregon, of course. Had a good year there. So congratulations, Kyle, on a great career. And then more than anything, I'm just proud of the dude he is. Um, and I think people in Chicago see he's got a huge heart. Um, so congrats to him. And what was your interjection on Howie? Howie is boy three of three. Yep. Kid three of three. And he got the, uh, the Howie Jr. Uh, <laughs> one, do you know why? Two, is your life different if you are kid number one and Howie Jr.? Yeah, probably. I probably don't play football at all if mm. I'm Howie Jr. Because it would have just been too much, you know, like too much Howie, you know? I think for dad, it was one of those things that by the third kid, they were like, we're out of names. We're out of names. Yeah, let's run it back. Let's run it back. Um, okay. And Howie's got a sweet middle name, Howie Francesco Long. I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, you know, my, my granddad, Frank Adonisio, shout out to him. God rest his soul, one of my favorite people of all time. Um, he was short Frank for Francesco. So I do have a little Italian in me. I'm not all Irish. Um, and Howie, I think, got the fearlessness of my dad, like truly. You know, smallest dude, but a lot of fearlessness, a lot of a lot of toughness. And he had no choice growing up, you know, and Kyle and him were Irish twins. So they'd fight, like I said, like they'd come home from school. They would fight in the locker room so bad, and John Blake, football, our head, high school football coach, they would fight so bad, like there'd be projectors flying, and, you know, like how he would, you know, how he would take his lumps, but not backing down. Um, yeah. How he was a quarterback. And how he was a quarterback. Yeah, the, uh, the Joe Kane of staff football. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry if that metaphor goes bad at some point. I forget if Joe Kane ended up being a good character in the program. When I said, mm hmm. That was that was me lying. I I don't I don't know. I don't remember if he resolved as a good character in that movie. Um, speaking of movies and TV, first off, question though: When is it? Couple things. When is it too late to say Merry Christmas? December the twenty sixth. I got a Merry Christmas at the bar at the end of an awkward conversation the other night. So we're talking January fourth. January fourth. Yeah, that's great too late. to see you. Merry Christmas. Okay, have a good night. Like, no, starting twelve twenty six, you can say I hope you had a Merry Christmas. Yeah, you can say that. When is it too late to say Happy New Year? That gets tougher. Um, maybe uh, the Feast of the Epiphany, January the sixth. The Feast of the Sudden Realization is that a religious thing? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I got to brush up. Um, I am a spiritual man, but no, you are. But let me think about that. January 6th. Nah, I'm still probably saying it. I'm still saying it. I would, I would, let's break out the uh, calendar. Yeah, I'm going to, Monday, January the 13th, that I'm going to cut it off there. Okay, that's fine. I'm going to say it all the way through January. Now, let me ask you this. This is the real question. When is it? Not a bad take. At, at what, yeah, no. At what point does it become... It is still, uh, it's not a question, it's a statement. I believe it is still inappropriate for my lovely wife, Meg, to, when I leave the house for eight to 10 hours, pick up an eight foot Christmas tree and throw it outside that's been sitting in the family room. What day, I, what day did she do it? Two, three days ago. Yeah, no, that's right. No, that's not right. 
I support having a pine tree in your house year-round. Well. I want to start a movement. Take the ornaments off. I love the smell. It makes me feel like it might be Christmas. I did that one year. Went into late March, and it became a, a wildly dangerous fire hazard. <laughs> well, that's when you replace the pine tree. Right, and maybe I should have kept watering it. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but no, you de you definitely have to get that out by the Feast of the Epiphany, the oh, okay. Christmas tree. Got or else you. it's bad luck. What know? happened at the Epiphany? Uh, there was a feast. And a sudden realization, huh? Yep. Nice. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just didn't think that was okay. And if Meg, you're listening, if you're listening to this pod, cause you say that you listen to my pod sometimes, um, that, that hurt. Cause I was going to keep that thing rolling, uh, the entire year long. It was a pretty tree. It was a really nice tree. Uh, Dr. Fax, by the way, through his tree when he lived in Jacksonville in a high rise and played for the Jaguars, no. Nate Collins, no. Dr. Fax. Through his tree, you missed this. This was when you were absent one day. Dr. Fax threw his Christmas tree down the trash chute. Oh, floor. God. <laughs> How I, did you die? You I, got impaled by a falling well, Christmas tree that Dr. Fax threw. I thought you were going to say off a balcony. I think he might have said, I don't, we can run that back. If anybody remembers who's watching. Down the trash chute is funnier. It was the trash chute. Just sap and maple. Needles. Yeah. They got maple in, in pine trees, right? And you got pine in pine trees. What's the what's the sappy stuff? Sap. So then the maple comes in the maple tree, but that's the right. But why do they call it sap when it's a pine tree you're and not like of, you're thinking of syrup. Oh, okay. So it's sap on a maple tree too. Yeah. You ever think about that? No, never. Yeah. Kind of fucked up. By the way, Vince Carter's making history. Um I just wanted to mention him because we don't do a lot of NBA. This is worth mentioning. Vince Carter is playing in four decades yeah. as of this week. Longevity. My goodness. George Blanda, John Carney, Vinatieri, if he returns. Those are the three NFL players. So shout out to him. I hope we have that kind of longevity on this pod. Four decades on this pod. Can we do it? No, we can't. <laughs> Um, we were talking about TV because last night, and I've been so busy, somebody brought up The Amazing Race, and it made me realize that I had no concept of what was actually going on in the show. It's one of those shows for me that I know there's a race. It's not a show anymore, is it? Or is it? I have no idea. It's that's still a, a show. It's a blind spot for me. I think it's probably was... a great show. It sounds cool when it was explained to me, but I never watch shows, and what it... What it made me realize is I have had this void in my life where I didn't watch enough TV. And I tried the TV thing out last night. I literally do not turn the TV on unless it's a sporting event, like period. I've been so busy. I sat down, I turned on the TV. There's this show. It's got four X's on the desk, right? Mm. You've got um, Howie Mandel. Mandel. You have two other people. I can't remember who they are. And then you have Simon Cowell, who seems like he's had some work done. Yeah. Um, guys in the back are nodding. I think Simon Cowell's had work done. By the way, I'm not anti-Simon Cowell. I am anti-Simon Cowell. Did he do something? Or just a number of things? number of things. 
I just are there any I should know about before I say that I'm not anti Simon Cowell? Well, I just don't you, think I'm responsible for all of Simon Cowell's. You got yourself a wife, right? Yeah, I wouldn't be friends with Simon Cowell. Oh, if, if he, you care about your wife? Did yeah. he? But we're assuming we're assuming that that my wife would 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 leave me for like a Buzz Lightyear looking dude that had his face sliced up like Hannibal Lecter. I'm not Team Simon. So you're saying he did a? Uh, you know what? I'm not going to say it. Yes, he did. Um. Yeah. Well, anyways, the show. I have no idea what it's called, but it's compelling. I'm sitting there, you know, just. There's there's people singing, there's people juggling and doing um, magic tricks. You know it's called America's Got Talent. Now I do. Fifteen minutes I'm sitting there and I have no clue what the show is. I know I've heard of it. I've never really watched it. Um, I don't know if the X is on the desk or a new thing. I'm not a fan of it. Do they pipe in crowd noise to that thing? I don't know. I don't watch it. People were screaming. There's and then they show the crowd and everybody's like, you know, like. They they all ha get a uh, a white like little balloon stick or something, and they're supposed to you know there's like an applause thing and whatnot, but they definitely pipe sound in that thing. Anyways, I saw this guy, this huge dude get up there from like Australia or some shit or New Zealand. He was six eight, like three fifty. Crikey. Yeah, crikey. He was lifting Atlas stones. He lifts one two hundred sixty pound Atlas stone. He sets it down. Another two hundred sixty pound Atlas stone sets it down. Really tough to do that i i have no idea how i don't know how you manage but i'm like a oh, strong man not, it's not going to get it done i'm starting to get the concept of the show the judges are perplexed he puts a big seat down rests it on the atlas stones there's like a 15 second awkward silence and then he just starts singing mm. and he's just belting out like and he sounds awesome but it hit me that he stole um jordan uh Mayata's whole gig Who's from the Eagles? Six foot eight, three fifty, from down under, sings like Chris Stapleton. Crikey! Yeah, um, but the point is that I actually enjoyed the show, and I get why a lot of people just mindlessly stare at a TV. That thirty minutes went by faster than any thirty minutes of my day. I'm gonna get more into TV. There's a lot I grew up with that I did not watch that everybody else always talks about, and I feel super weird when you when you're at a a table and somebody's talking about Saved by the Bell and, and, and references like characters and jokes. I just do the un uneasy smelling shit face. Yeah, can we, uh, for those watching on YouTube, I pulled a picture for you. Um, can you name any of those people? Uh, okay, the girl on the left, is that Topanga? <laughs> I He's looking at Kelly Kapowski right now. Tiffany yeah, a lot Amber of, Thiessen. A lot of consonants in both those names. Anybody else? Maybe the guy on top you can probably pull. Oh, uh, you know what? I forgot about him. He was uh he was he had a long neck. Um Spencer? Uh, Screech. Screech. Dustin yep. Diamond. Yep. Uh that's Zach Morris, of course, AC Slater. Of course. Uh Kelly, right? Kelly and Jesse. Is everybody in like an '80s heavy metal band? Like, are all the women in an '80s heavy metal band? Look at that hair. Jesse Spano. And this is uh, this is Saved by the Bell, yeah. Yeah, this is Saved by the Bell. This is deductive um, reasoning on my part. This is we are. What are we? We're '80s babies. Are we '90s kids? Yeah. Yeah, that's canon for '90s kids. That's that's the show. No, I know. So when people start making Kelly, Kelly Turtle. 
people start making references to that show, I just do the smelling shit face. I just sit there at the table. I'm like, <laughs> I, lo- I love Screech. <laughs> I, Remember when his neck was really long? Lisa and- Turtle. It's Lisa Turtle. Lisa Turtle. It's been a while. I should have. Did done you some- like that show? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Really? You. Kelly Kapowski, the, first love, wanted to be Zach Morris. Yeah. Maybe you, you turned out better than Zach Morris, buddy. We'll see. So Mark Paul Gosselar, or whatever his name is, is still Is rocking. that the apex, the pantheon of 90s kids shows? It's the gold standard. Well, yeah. There's some different categories because you have the Nickelodeon, Nickelodeon stuff. stuff. Now, I watch some Nickelodeon. I watch like the show where you get gacked uh, on the mountain. Well, there, there was Double Dare. There was uh, Legends of the Hidden Temple. Yep. I watched one. that. Okay. What was the one with the big mountain inside? Splash oh, Mountain. Oh, Agro Crag and Agro stuff. Crag. Was that the name of the show, though? No, but that was the, that was the object. Yeah. Another uh, show was, I was really into Are You Afraid of the Dark? Imagine having nightmares over Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yeah, I was not into it because I was too afraid <laughs> of it. A lot of kids wet in the bed over that show. Couldn't watch it. Um, the two best Nickelodeon shows, Doug... Doug was good. And Rugrats. Rugrats was good. Now, shows I also didn't watch. I was I, I don't know what the deal was with me. My childhood was Howard the Duck, Terminator movies. Like, I was watching The Predator before I was watching Saved by the Bell. And I skipped Saved by the Bell. I skipped Fresh Prince, although I knew more about Fresh Prince. Like, I, I watched it probably more than I watched other stuff. But I wasn't like, I was out on those inside jokes. Um and then uh, home, home Improvement, that's the cool show, like the cool show to talk about. Sort of. I would say it's in a slightly different category. I think Saved by the Bell and Fresh Prince are in the same category. That's what your peers were yep. watching. Yep. Home Improvement, I think, had a broader scope. Yeah, like adults range, could watch reach. it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, I don't get the joke. Oh. Uh, don't get the joke. Yeah. Tim uh, Allen. No, I know. He's, I, I just... What about the TGIF shows? Hey, hold on. Tool Time, Tim, right? Yeah. yeah. Tool Time. Tool remember time that from with, that show? With Tim the Toolman Taylor. You remember the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? He had to move. Yeah, from West Philadelphia. You remember Carlton? He was kind of a nerd. Yeah, you're pretty good for not having watched any Remember of it. Uncle Phil? He was a really good dude, and everybody liked him. For the, for the most part, I guess. People liked him on the show, yeah? Yeah. He, did he do something? I know he passed away. I'm so God rest his soul. No, I'm just talking about on the show. Uncle Phil was, uh, he was, he was tough, but fair. Tough, but fair. Yeah. And Will Smith, was he annoying? Uh, no. So he's cool. Yeah. Okay. I, I did watch, I was, I, but I watched Nick at night. Okay. Because I think I had like the ability to be sneaky and sneak around. So I was watching TV like pretty late, presumably. I'd have to go back and look at what time it was. It seemed very late to me. I was watching Mork and Mindy. Oh, Robin Williams. Yeah, love love Mork and Mindy, Dragnet. Wow. And I'm talking about I was like 12 years old, so I grew up a little fast there. Um, also, to my point, 2000s haven't been any better for me. Bachelor, Bachelorette, don't get it. I mean, I would watch it now that I'm a TV guy. Nah, these scripted or maybe not scripted reality shows aren't worth your time. Is there a show nowadays that if somebody says, I'm big into that show... You're like, huh? And I'm not gonna ever hang out with you again. But I'm no. Gonna... I get it. I get it. There's Bachelor Nation is a thing. People are really into like Dog the Bounty Hunter show, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like these weird 
like Pawn Stars and stuff, or the East Coast Choppers, West Coast Choppers, Bayou Choppers. But what about the digital streaming age? I mean, I'm into shows now. Right, like the good stuff. The good stuff I'm into. Breaking Bad. Love it. Which, granted, was what AMC not, masterpiece, not Netflix. Yeah, masterpiece though. Uh huh. It's it was a masterpiece. Oh, uh, probably number one for me. Um, you know, The Wire was Wire, terrific. Sopranos. Sopranos is terrific. That's gotten better as I've gotten older. Um, Low key, Downton Abbey is amazing. Not me. I I, yeah, can't. I know nobody else would say that. That's that's. Oh yeah. Yeah, I like period pieces. Haven't gotten into Mad Men. I'm an Anglophile. Mad Men's great. Yeah. Um, what? So, did you miss any shows from your childhood, or am I the only one? And do you have any theory on what the fuck happened to me? I don't know what happened to you. Do you have a TJ, TGIF blind spot as well? Family Matters, Full House, Boy didn't, Meets World. Didn't really watch any of that. That was Topanga, Featuring right? Featuring Topanga. Yeah. Step by step. You want to give me a quick basic quiz to prove to the people that I absolutely have no idea what I'm doing on any of these shows? Sure. Uh, you couldn't identify Kelly Kapowski two minutes ago. <laughs> um, yeah, well, you're not going to be able to name any any characters from any of these shows. Family Matters. It does. <laughs> Carl, last name. Al Bundy. I remember Al Bundy. I remember Roseanne, who's... Who's falling nice. on some hard times that she brought on herself. We were looking for Carl Winslow. Yeah. Finally, mm -hmm. what about the Seinfeld friends? Okay, so that part, to me, I resented homework time at home. School terrified me. Meathead. You know, I know I do a lot of, thank you, I, I do a lot of <laughs> educational equity stuff now, so everybody thinks I'm some nerd. I was a bad student and a dummy. So, for me, homework time was terrible. It was stressful. Not a dummy. Not a dummy. You're really bright. Very bright. Thank you. You started the school newspaper. I did start a school newspaper. Um, that I was blackmailed and told that if I disseminated it, I would have my offers rescinded. They would go and talk to the coaches. I know you're like, I don't want to offend anybody here. Well, to be fair, our school newspaper was titled Saintly Speaking, and Chris's, the one he created, was called satanly speaking <laughs> <laughs> i wanted to test the limits and you did and i did and the limit was that one of the head honchos of the school said that if i keep passing it out and by passing it out i printed like 10 copies and put it like might as well have been drugs that you were in <laughs> i was basically peddling like kilos of cocaine yep i mean she said if you keep putting this on the table in the student lounge, and it was all nonsense. There was like nothing in there that was like, actually, it was just like articles about stupid shit that happened at school. That she was going to call Virginia and tell them to pull my scholarship offer. So shout out to you. Wow. Docs. Don't care. I, uh, yeah. I know I was a pain in the ass when I was a kid. There's no there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I actually repeated a grade. I loved my uh my experience in high school. Yeah, I did too, other than things like that. But I was rough around the edges, no doubt about it. I wouldn't have liked me either if I had met the eighteen year old me at all. Don't like most eighteen year old people in general. 
um when i meet one that's cool i'm like whoa you're gonna be very cool adjusted <laughs> for your age like look D out for you DVOA. yeah your dvoa is is you're gonna be a cool adult yeah um but yeah so tv never been great at that i'm gonna try to watch more tv you know what i watch these days what do you watch marvelous mrs Maisel. don't know that one i don't think you'd like that one too oh, much really? what about fleabag don't know that one yeah the americans i'm catching up is that a spy yeah i want to see that one that's good yeah i'd stay away from the other two although they're have terrific. you seen down there's some recent ones jinx mm -mm. robert durst story mm -mm. i'm into the short series six to eight of them let's just be done with it yeah get to the point i'm with you there you know you, you got to unlike this pod you got to pack a lot into speaking of yeah you want to talk about anything else yeah i do i do i want to talk about the new batman okay and i'm just, I'm just going to be reading a lot of this because i asked you first off are you a batman guy no have you ever seen a batman movie well probably but um not of my own volition in the last two decades what's the guy's name with the mask on the the, the villain that tom hardy played tom hardy tom hardy isn't helping me at all but the villain is uh it, well batman uh, it's either see the things I'm missing. They Hold were on. 25 years ago. What's your excuse? Hold on. There's like a penguin and a Joker or something. There's also a guy with a gas mask on that looks like he's never seen this. Huh? Bane. 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 Thank you. Is that in the original Batman story? What about? No, the I don't know about these comics. They can put any fucking characters in they want. Like they'll put a character in in 20 years that's brand new and then go back and justify it from like. Oh, but you didn't see that edition from 1963, and Stan Lee did that, and like, I mean, I, and I know Stan Lee's probably not DC or DC's not Marvel. I don't know, man. I've had some teammates that filled their entire lockers. OJ Atagwe filled his entire locker with comic books and comic book action figures. Hmm. Hmm. Blind spot for me. I don't. I never had a childhood. I like. I love from real a, stuff. Yeah, you love real stuff. Well, a real thing that's coming out is a new Batman movie, which actually looks pretty good. What? What prompted is last night they said Colin Farrell is going to be the Penguin. Hmm. Is he that short? I say Penguin. Over under on Colin Farrell's height. I'm going to set it at five eleven. You taking the over or the under? Under. Okay, let's set it at five ten. Under. I'm going to put it. I'm going to. I'm going to say it's five ten. Okay, you're pushing. I'm pushing. I'm just saying that because most actors are short. They are, and for you to be selected as Penguin. 5'10", and now, nice. I don't, now I don't believe that you didn't... Uh... Promise you. Swear on this podcast. Okay. I wanted to look up his height, but I, I also didn't want to because I wanted to ask you that. How old is he? I mean, he's got to be 44. He's 43. You probably... No. Looked it up promise and decided you. to go off by one. But I did watch the movie In Bruges the other night. I don't know if you've seen that movie. People that love movies, I'm getting some nods back there. I couldn't do it. I don't do good with the dramedies. Pick one. Is this a dark movie? Is it funny? Don't have conversations like it's a play and I'm sitting in the audience like there's a third party there. Talk like there's two people in the room. It's a big pet peeve of mine. It happened to me with like Heller Highwater or Three Billboards because they were like Three Billboards written by like a playwright. Anyways, Colin Farrell is going to be Bat or, uh, Penguin and Rob Pattison, who I really... He was in the vampire stuff. Yeah, Twilight. Flexing my TV knowledge. He's Batman. 
Batman Returns in 1992. I read an interesting article. Keaton was Batman, of course. DeVito was the Penguin, who's 4'10", a foot shorter than Farrell. So Pattinson. I know of, yeah, what a, yeah, good for him. I know of certain actors that have to wear, like, platform shoes, like Tom Cruise and people like that. You can't go the other way, so I don't know what they're going to do with Farrell. Dustin Hoffman was almost the Penguin, which would have been super weird. DeVito, they said it took like four hours to put his makeup on every day. Pfeiffer was Catwoman. They said it actually hurt to wear that suit. But I'm not upset that the suit was worn. Annette Bening was supposed to be Catwoman, but she got pregnant. And this is the biggest kicker of all for Batman Returns, which is a really good movie. They had Batman, the writer had Batman being like chatty Batman, like he had a bunch of lines. And then Keaton was like, nah, I'm a minimalist. I'm just going to grunt and make that really cool noise, that like Batman voice noise. And that was a great call. Christopher Walken was in there. Fun fact about the movie. They had their own, the Penguins had like their own pool, dressing rooms, like slides. So like when they weren't shooting, they were like just playing on slides. They kept the Penguins happy. Um, and, uh, of course, Walken was Max Shrek, the, uh, the rich guy. The craziest thing to me, though, was Michelle Pfeiffer, that scene when she had a bird in her mouth. I thought it was fake, but I guess they don't have CGI back then. That was a real bird. Yeah. PETA would have killed her today. She held a bird in her mouth for five seconds, and then it flew out. It's crazy. So I'm going to be watching Batman. I'm going to be watching more TV. Do you want to do this wild card thing? I mean, we're like 30 minutes in the pod. And I'm leaving in 30 minutes, so we better get Yeah, to let's it. get it going. Mm -hmm. You got to sell real estate in the snow. Yep. Um, I loved this weekend, by the way. Did you have any big, like, hey, this is what I saw, this is what I loved about this weekend? I, was this a good weekend of football for you? They were all close. Super weekend, yeah. I think the two Saturday, the two Sunday, excuse me, Saturday and Sunday, you can't beat. Um, yeah, it's the best time of year for the NFL. I love the NFL being all on Sunday, but it feels like I wish college football, I wish we had one less work day. College football was Friday. And then Saturday and Sunday were split. So you didn't have all those football games. At all one. the time? Yeah, I'd like that. Oh, three, no. three days of football? You want college football on Fridays? Yeah, if they took, if we had one less work day in America. Oh. Imagine a three-day weekend in the fall where we have college football on a Friday, or maybe you do f pro football on Friday, you, you do half the games on Friday, you do all the college football games on Saturday, and you do half the games on Sunday. I love less to look at. It's, it, you can be more, I've, I've discovered as a fan this year, trying to watch Red Zone, trying to do this for work, you watch 10 games, but you, you don't really understand all of them. You, you, you have to go back and study them later to understand them, but you can't in real time the way you watch Wildcard Weekend, you know everything that happened, like mm -hmm. right off the bat. Yep. And for me, the best game of the weekend, the most fun game of the weekend for me, even though people, it was a bunch of shitty football, was the first one. Yeah. And you almost predicted the score. I had 19-16 on last week's Greenlight Pod. It was 19-16 with, I think, a second to go. Um, went to overtime, final score 22-19. So Buffalo's skid continues 
Buffalo by far most <laughs> offense of the eight squads on Wild Card Weekend. Yeah. Kind of screwed it up. Yeah, dude. Yeah. The first half was terrific. And I, and I made this comment. I'll make it again. Josh Allen, the best metaphor for me, Ryan Rosillo said, he's the dad that's aggressive and you're at the beach and ushering you over to talk to girls. And you're like, no, dad. Like, I, I didn't get that one as much because my dad never did that. I don't know what he's saying. I'll have to. You got to go back and look at it. Listen to that pub. I think Josh Allen is a roller coaster at a really ambitious roller coaster at a very localized carnival run by drunk carnies. It could be thrilling. You're going to get the big throws. You're going to get a run that makes you say, wow. And you're also going to get the lateral. <laughs> yeah, that was bad. It was awful. Um, you, don't know, you don't know what you're going to get. And Deshaun, who, to your point, you pointed out in the first half, his eyes were down the whole first mm -hmm. half. And you're like, what's he doing? Yeah. Like every play looked the same. Every play. Yep. And I wondered if it was like um, one of those situations where they weren't getting enough people out in the route. Um, you know, we we talked about we've talked about that with other teams as well. Um, and so people aren't open. They didn't have full of course. I think they could use a more dynamic tight end. You know, I, I think he throws it when he's throwing the tight ends successfully. They're hard to beat. If they can go out and get a more dynamic one next year, they're going to be a lot better. Um, but you you look up at the end of the game, of course he makes that big play, and then Duke Johnson with the second biggest play of the game. You know, imagine escaping Cleveland to make that play. Um, he never would have had a feeling like that in Cleveland, so I'm glad he escaped. Um, you look up at the end of the game, he's got these great stats. Deshaun, I think he was, was he 20 of 25? Yep. So the whole game, you're like, he's not playing that great. But he just slowly but surely puts this big game together. And he puts that big moment together. He almost plays better when they're down and he's pressed. I don't think Houston is a team that's going to make any noise this weekend. I think Kansas City rolls. But a, a good win for them. Certainly, it seemed at times like the, neither team was trying to win. That sequence there at the end with, with the two Josh Allen sacks was like a video game was broken. Um. I don't know what the computer was doing. And then the fourth and one was awful because it was a long fourth and one. October 13th. Texans 31, Chiefs 24 in Arrowhead. Don't like it. Don't like okay. it this time around. Mahomes, Actually, Mahomes the, played. the line was 10. In that game? No, the line's 10 this weekend. I looked at the Bet America odds were Kansas City minus 10. And I actually like Houston to cover, yeah. But I like I I like Kansas City to win. I mean, it's it to me it's Kansas City is a different team than they were in October. Um, and we've talked about it ad nauseum here. It's ad nauseum, right? Yes. Nice. Um, you know the the other games, Seattle Philly. It was ugly. It was very ugly. It was damn near unwatchable. Fletcher Cox played great. By the way, he was he was worth the price of admission. Those guys played hard. At the end of the day, that team was not going to be a Super Bowl player as bad as you want to be. There were too many injuries. Carson's, of course, being the biggest. Of course, we had the out the fallout 
of some really shitty tweets. And I'm not even going to take the time to mention all of them. You can go to Twitter.com. You can go to Twitter.com. But listen, a guy with an injury history that's more traditional, you know, like, you know, broken bones, soft tissue, et cetera, getting drilled in the back of the head, and it's blunt force trauma. It's not just like getting hit in the back of the head in the pocket. It's your head and the ground. And Clowney's hit, which was dirty. Let's call it what it is. He doesn't deserve a life sentence for it. I mean, like, he'll get fined. Um, great player, great athlete. He's such a good athlete that he was able to launch his, his dome at Carson's dome in that situation. You know how hard it is to fall like that without your arms out to brace you and know that you're going to, like, running full speed and then drill somebody in the back of the head. That concussion, that would happen to anybody. A football Cal Ripken would be out cold, smelling salts up his nose with that hit. Carson, in fact, got up and tried to come back in the game. Well, I think he played a couple snaps. Yeah. So my thing is, anybody, former players or media members, media members who are profiting off our game, and yes, our game, and we can all share it, don't, there's just a time and a place to talk about somebody's durability. And it's not part of the pattern because they're not, they're not the same injuries. They're just not. If it would happen to anybody, it's not the same injury. That would be like somebody who had injury history in the NBA getting shoved into a stanchion, right? That's what you call it. Stanchion. Right? Yeah. Which is the thing under the basket. And like on a dirty, questionable play, getting shoved in the stanchion, breaking a wrist or an elbow, and you saying it's always something with him. Now, I will, I will name one, one name because, I mean, okay, I'll name them all. Danny Cannell, a lot of shitty takes. This one I thought was, I don't just disagree with you. I, I don't just respectfully disagree with you. I, I disrespectfully disagree with you. Mm-hmm. Jacina Anderson and Tori Holt, who I know Tori, so the history with Tori to me is you're a good dude. Probably didn't know because initially when Carson was walking to the, the tunnel, we were all like, what happened? I mean, I remember the hit. When it happened, we were all like on the live stream. It was like, that was dirty. Yep. But he got back up and got in the game. So when he's walking in the locker room, everyone's like, what is it? So he tweets, it's always something with Carson Wentz. Josina quote tweets him, and Josina's history in Philly, if you don't know it, you know, there's been reports she's been trying to break up the team a little bit, anonymous sourcing, anti-Carson hit pieces. However you feel about Carson Wentz, this is not the time. And she says, I know, dot, 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 dot. I know, Tori, dot, 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 dot. Now, Tori deletes his tweet. Josina doesn't. And Josina has backtracked and said, that's not what I meant, et cetera. Do you think that's what she meant? Nope, no pressure. Well, how soon did she say I know? Dot, dot, 5.44 p.m. So she might not have known at that point either? I think she knew. Because if you were listening to the game, and this is what you have to do. If you're saying something in a biased manner and you're reporting on our game, you have to be careful if you have a history of disliking the player you have to be careful, period, commenting on injuries. Even if you don't know, that, that, to me, that just means tweet better and remember your history because it's undeniable that you're anti-Carson. So, yeah. I mean, with that history and some other things that Josina and I have been through in St. Louis that I remember and she remembers, I'm sure, to me, that looks like you're saying exactly what you're saying. Now, the thing I don't, I don't appreciate are some of the comments under that. Um, and that's the bad part about Twitter. 
is you make a point and then everybody backs you up and they're overzealous. And there were some really negative, mean comments on there that although I do not like Justine Anderson for what she did, and I do think she's full of shit backtracking, and I'm sure she's done a lot of great things, but this is one of them that I just didn't agree with. It's not worth, and it's never okay to say some of the things I saw in the comments. You wanna tell somebody they're an asshole, whatever, you wanna tell them they're stupid, that was a stupid comment, whatever. But some of the personal attacks that got a little bit borderline and over the line, in fact, in some situations, I just wanna take the time to say that's, that's bullshit. Um, we can't do that as fans. I don't care if you, I don't care if that was a classless commentary, whatever. Um, so Carson sure has an injury history, but a concussion, especially the last game of the year, he's gonna have plenty of time to come back from that. The the future looks brighter for the Eagles next year. Um, I think they at least have to go out and 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 target a a, a big name wide receiver in free agency. Well, um, here's the other thing: Philly's not gonna have another year like this where they're. Every single person on the team is hurt. Really? It's kind of been a trend. No, it can't happen again. It can't happen again, not to this degree, but the last four years, whether it was a Super Bowl run, whether it was 18, there have been a lot of injury issues, and they have to address that. Everybody knows it in Philly. A.J. Green? A.J. Green's out there. Um, Larry Fitz? Oh, Fitz would be great. I'm looking at UFAs. Emmanuel Sanders? Sanders post Super Bowl. I think he's going to want to stay. Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper could be a great one. And Amari Cooper, his home road splits, we've talked about him, have not been great. He wasn't on the field for Dallas in some big situations late in the year. You wonder if they're going to move on from him with McCarthy arriving. We'll talk about that in a minute. I don't know. But that's priority number one for me. Get, give me somebody who's going to stretch the field in Philly and help this guy out who's been under siege all year long. Um, and then, of course, there was the game that a lot of people would call the game of the week because two really good teams, it looks like. Um, Vikings, they're hit or miss, but they've got a great roster. And Kirk grew up before our eyes on Sunday, getting his first big win um, in the playoffs. So quick blurb on Cousins while we're here. A lot of people are freaking out because he hasn't won the big one. I've been kind of arguing that you kind of have to forget about his history as a quarterback, just like we do with Tom Brady or any of these quarterbacks who are aging or have different skill sets around them or the context is different. He's, he's played in his second playoff game now. Uh, there was a four-year gap, and he got the win in the toughest place there is to win in the playoffs, uh, along with Seattle or Arrowhead. Um, so that's the Ferrari of first big wins. You know, that, that's the metaphor for me. The guy, everybody makes fun of him for not having a car. You know, he's been riding the bus for, for years. One day he rolls up past the bus stop in a Ferrari. And that's how he's feeling this, this week. So it's dangerous to give him confidence. I think with the, with the pieces around him, this is the one team that didn't limp into the playoffs. They actually got healthier. They got Thielen back. They got Cook back. He looked awful against Green Bay. He looked pretty capable down in New Orleans. In our 2020 quarterback draft, who we would want to lead our clubs next year. Cousins went 16th overall. Did he really? To Team Macon. That was probably overreactive. Um, now, Kirk Cousins and the Vikings, I like them in San Francisco to cover. Uh, the line's like a touchdown. That's a, a look ahead. Um, but when things are right for him, and that's the big key, because when you're drafting quarterbacks, 
and he slips that far in our little thing, the big question is, does he have the skilled players around him? I mean, whatever you think about him, he needs it. He needs an O-line that's stable. He needs stealing healthy. Who do we take in front of him? Well, I've now scrolled down to our uh, Slack feed saying that people are supporting my marvelous Mrs. Maisel take, which frankly I'm shocked about, but really happy about at the same time. <laughs> 16. <laughs> That's a great, I have no idea what you're talking about laugh that you just gave. I, uh, no, but it just sounds very, no offense, it sounds, it sounds feminine. Uh, it does not sound like a, a guy show. I, that's probably fair. Okay. Not that I can't watch shows with, with female leads, but the, the whole, it sounds like Mary Poppins to me. That's what I'm associating with it. No? Mary Poppins? Nah. Um, anyways, you, you, you've got Minnesota going to San Francisco, of course, now, and you've got Seattle going up to Green Bay. I like both road dogs. Um, and again, OPI, that was a big story. You took Josh Allen uh, right ahead of Kirk Cousins. I would, I would. I still would, though. Okay. This year, though, Kirk Cousins has been a top 10 quarterback this year. Now, next year, I don't know what's going to happen. Okay. This is the perfect storm for him. That's so, and, that, and that's the whole thing with Kirk Cousins is if we're judging quarterbacks on this year, people are so afraid to do that because of the legacy of some guys or because of the history. Kirk Cousins has been bad at times. But this year, statistically, where he's brought his team – now, now, the roster's been good, et cetera. He won the big game down in Dallas that all week leading up, it's like, you got to bet against Kirk, right? Because he's not going to win the big game. Then he wins it, and it's like, oh, well, it's just Dallas. You go to Seattle. They put up 30 in Seattle. Now, Seattle's defense is not great, but they lose 37-30. Not his fault. I mean, he could have. there were a couple throws he wanted back, but I don't think – I think he's shedding that, that label. Is it an anomaly? Who knows? The future will. That's why we picked him 16. Mm -hmm. uh, but this year, he's been a top 10 quarterback. Would you argue with that? I guess not. Brian Nelson thinks Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is a visually stunning masterpiece. I look forward to checking it out. Um, <laughs> and it is hot as a motherfucker in my little baby snowsuit. Uh, Macon left, he had to sell real estate. Um, that's how committed he is. Great real estate agent, great podcast co-host. Shout out to Macon. I hope the uh, the showing went well. Uh, so for, from here on out, I'll be finishing the pod and uh, he'll be back Friday. So coaching stuff, it's enough fun bullshit today. I know you guys actually like, I just, it's snowing out. I wanna go home. I, I want to go sledding with my kids. So I'm going to wrap this up pretty quick. I know I was supposed to like break down some real football stuff. Um, the big thing for me today, and you watch Stephen A talk about it on first take, and I didn't make a lot of mistakes on first take. Stephen A tweeted me because I was saying that at the beginning of the segment, it seemed like they were just, the entire segment was predicated on the fact that Joe Judge was a wide receiver coach. Joe Judge, who obviously got hired in, in New York with the Giants, a head scratcher for a lot of people, myself included, even though I really like Joe Judge, it just came out of nowhere for me. I had heard he was going to get the Mississippi State job. He's obviously not just the wide receiver coach. And that was my gripe is like, if you got a big show like Stephen A has, you can't, and I make a ton of mistakes on here, but with all the people you have working for you on first take, you can't scream that he's a wide receivers coach. The entire segment 
I get that the point of the segment was the Rooney rule, but to me, I'm thinking to myself, now you got a bunch of people walking around saying, yeah, and the Giants hired this fucking wide receiver coach. Actually, this year he was a wide receivers coach and a special teams coordinator, which is what he's done since O'Brien left in 15. And he's a really good special teams coordinator. Shout out to Nate Ebner, Matt Slater. He's learned from and taught a lot of great players. Um, He's also a really good motivator. But the point remains, and I agree with Stephen A. Smith, the Rooney rule is not cutting it. There are not enough black head coaches in a league where most of the players are black. And I know a lot of really good black position coaches and coordinators, and there seems to be a disconnect in how these billionaire owners are interviewing, even if they're skating by somehow, somehow on a technicality, making guys go through the interview process. You know, the running joke is that there's one coach that's got to take, you know, who's the guy that's got to take the, the Rooney Rule interview every year for each job? Because there's always one guy. And it sucks because I bet these guys are walking in and they're like, am I even really in the running for this job? Um, and, and, and that just, it's a shame. And I don't know how to fix it. I talked to a couple of my buddies and I think the biggest way you can fix that is to infiltrate the ownership um, alliance, if you will, because they do work as a team. And that's why I think P. Diddy, like making a run at ownership, sent, I heard, some negative waves. And I don't know what Jay-Z can do for social justice. I think this thing with the NFL and social justice has become a real mess. Even for the guys that are trying to do good. I don't even know. I don't, I don't know how you, I don't know how. It, that's a whole nother pod. It's just gotten su- to be such a shit show. So much infighting in politics. It's hard for me. Anyways, I think Jay-Z can do more with ownership than he can with social justice. And maybe that's the play is if you can infiltrate this group, you get more um, you get more diversity in that group, and then you can actually make decisions and, and really press your peers to make decisions that move the needle forward when it comes to diversity in the NFL. I mean, like, I've been talking about enemy for weeks, and maybe, maybe he's not ready. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he feels he's not ready. Maybe Andy feels he's not ready. I don't know. Um, but... I think Bienemy would have made a great coach down in Dallas. I think he would have made a great coach in, in New York. Um, I think Caldwell always got, I, I always thought Caldwell got a bum rap in, uh, got the short end of the stick in Detroit. It just didn't seem fair. Um, and then I can't stand Marvin Lewis. Don't like him, but he's got a lot of experience. And uh, I think, you know, if you're looking for experience, you might want to give him a look too. I wouldn't hire him. That might be personal. Um, you got the Giants hiring Joe Judge, who, of course, since 2015, special teams coordinator in New England. And in a, you know, this is biting off more than you can chew. Coaching wide receivers and special teams in the NFL, which is what he did this past year. Um, and this is the reason I brought it up to Stephen A. and to First Take. I didn't tweet at First Take, but I guess they name search First Take. That's a lot to have on your plate, to do special teams and wide receiving, uh, to coach wide receivers. That's more than a lot of coordinators have to deal with. It's just, it's very exhaustive. So I don't know that, how that should necessarily count against him. Plus there's been some, some coaches who have had some, some really good um, ascensions to success, 
straight from being a uh, special teams coach, whether it was Harbaugh or Andy Reid had a similar kind of thing going. When I've, the, the teams I played for, some of the best motivators and people as coaches were special teams guys. FIP in Philly, uh, Bones in, in, in LA, that's of course Foss. Um, and, and then Joe Judge was my special teams coach in uh, New England. And I didn't want to be anywhere near, the, near these rooms because that meant that I had to do other shit on top of being an old D lineman, which is hard enough. But then I got to run down the field on kickoff. No, thanks. And, you know, I was always straight up with my special teams coaches. I respect what you guys do, but I'm not interested in doing it. If I have to, I will. But I definitely respect special teams coaches and special teams players because they sacrifice a ton. And they're great motivators. They kind of have to be because you got to be crazy to run down on kickoff. And they actually have a decent track record as head coaches. So if you want to look for a motivator, look no further than some of these. I mean, like, you know, everybody's after these hot young coordinators. You can, you can find a coordinator to call the plays. But you hear half these teams talking about it. We want a motivator. It's not about play calling. Joe Judge, I think he's got a little bit of it. You know, I, I, I think people are tired of the New England thing. They think it's an overrated thing to have coached in New England. But you've got O'Brien and uh, Vrabel, two disciples, heading to the divisional round. Uh, you had Bill in the playoffs, obviously. You had B-Flo just beat Bill. Um, there's a number of guys, and it's been a mixed bag, that have had some success. It's been a very mixed bag. But I wouldn't hold New England against him. It is a head scratcher for me. I thought McDaniels would be the guy. Uh, and of course, McDaniels didn't get the Carolina interview. He got indeed, reverse indeed in Carolina. They, they pulled the plug on that because they hired Rule. Um, you wonder if it's Cleveland or Bust. Uh, bust for, uh, for McDaniels, of course, being an Ohio kid. All these vacancies filled up pretty quick now. Um, and the biggest question with the Browns, are they going to feel dumb if they don't hire Stefanski from, uh, from Minnesota, who, by the way, has been in Minnesota since like 04 for somebody who I didn't think it was that old? That's a long time. And Zimmer doesn't seem to be going anywhere. I know his name was, was shared in Cowboy circles. Um, I thought maybe he might want to stay there to be a Zimmer successor, but Zimmer doesn't look like he's slowing down. Um, Stefanski would be a good hire with the Browns because he was a, he was a finalist last year. They're going to be kicking themselves if they don't hire him and he ends up being the best or the, the best option of these young guys and ends up somewhere else, whether it's a year down the line or whatever. If they hire McDaniels, that's a ton of pressure because you had Stefanski in your sights last year and you didn't. You, you went with Kitchens, and um, we all know how that worked out. The Panthers and Rule, I don't know what to make of it. Seven years, $60 million, that's good money. He took Baylor from like 2-10 and 10 to whatever they are now. Temple, four and seven to a bunch of 10 win seasons or a couple 10 win seasons. And evidently he was Tepper's guy from the beginning. Macon seemed excited um, about Joe Judge earlier. I don't know how Carolina, feel, Carolina fans feel about Rule, but I think there's a lot more excitement circling around him. He's been a hot college name. If he'd get that spit off his shirt from the Sugar Bowl, I mean, he had that big loogie on his vest. Um, with $60 million, you know, you can get a new vest. Um, so good for Tepper. He got his guy. Uh, and this is, he's really making his mark on this program. Evidently, since before he fired um, 
Ron, he was looking at Rule. Um, and then with Garrett and McCarthy, this has been the weirdest thing. Why did they keep Garrett around so long? I've likened it, and I'm sure a bunch of other people have likened it to uh, you get you get the breakup happens and uh, you can stay here a while. I'm, uh, who's the new guy at the door? He's the new guy. And we'll be in the other room. That was like kind of the vibe I was getting with the Garrett situation. Why would you want to stick around and be a front office guy? Um, would you really be able to root for your successor? I mean, that'd be kind of weird. Human nature, we all act like we want to wish everybody well, but we're all competitors. Um, I don't know. That would have been super weird. Uh, and now we're hearing about Jason maybe as an OC in uh, in New York, which I think is is troubling for a lot of Giants fans, but Macon's excited about it. And by the way, the Garrett's are good people. I had this, I retweeted something last night where it was Jason going to this hospital to uh, to visit a sick kid who um, who passed away, um, Luke Laufenberg, uh, whose pops played, died of cancer, and Jason was evidently there after, you know, these 14, 16-hour days that these coaches do at least, he was there under the radar for days on end. Um, and, of course, Luke's dad, Babe, um, tweeted it after Jason got fired. And I think we sometimes forget, and I've done it too, we pile on as NFL fans, whether you have rooting interest in a team or you're just trying to get some retweets, you want to make a joke at Jason's expense, you want to make a joke at different players' expenses, and it straddles on personal. And we all do it. And I got to get better at that. Other people got to get better at that. There's a difference between tell telling somebody they're a bad coach or they did a bad job coaching or a bad job playing and that they're bad people or we got to laugh at them when we run into them on the street. Like, if you're not good at your job at home, I don't think it's acceptable as long as it's not a character flaw or a laziness flaw. Everybody in the NFL, I guarantee you, 90% of people are doing their very best at a very difficult job. If you're at home and you don't make as much money as NFL players, I get that disconnect, but it wouldn't be very nice if you lost your job for people to make fun of you. Uh, and I, I know these guys get paid and they make a lot of money, but they work their asses off. And I played with John or played under John Garrett, Jason's brother at UVA, and th those Garrett guys are really good people. I don't know about, you know, was this Dallas thing more about Jerry than him? I. He made his share of mistakes. Uh, and I don't know if he's going to get another shot as a head coach. I wouldn't hire him as a head coach, not right now. Um, but he's a good man. I think we forget that sometime around Black Monday or, you know, we do it with the media whenever there's massive layoffs at Deadspin or whatever, or Deadspin people leaving a mass exodus or there's a layoff at ESPN. You know, all the media lines up and says, treat this with dignity. Treat these people who are leaving with dignity. They're people. They're not just you know, media personalities, like there's people losing their jobs. And I always get that. I would ask for the same with coaches and players. Um, just remember when somebody gets axed, they're a person and they work really hard at this thing. I'm sure at the end of this, you're saying, well, I don't give a fuck, Chris. He makes too much money. And I say, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, I'm just trying to be a human being here and note that even though I was an Eagle and Garrett was not my coach, He's taking a ton of shit on the internet. He's a pretty good dude. But McCarthy's his successor. Um, you know, he's not the first guy 
to kind of get written off after a long tenure somewhere. I mean, Andy Reid comes to mind. Andy Reid had uh, kind of a collapse in Philly, and people were like, no thanks, this is kind of who he is. McCarthy can change. Um, I don't know what the hiatus has done for him. I know he did a, a TV project. I don't know how I feel about that, but studying analytics, trends, it's called like the McCarthy Project. Um, and people th thought it was really good. He seems likable. He seems very direct. Everything I hear about him in Green Bay, he's, he's no bullshit. Um, of course, there was the Aaron Rodgers stuff, which is kind of taking center stage. And a lot of people with McCarthy say, well, he's a failure because he failed to maximize Aaron Rodgers to the tune of what? Nine divisions or uh, yeah, nine divisions or six divisions, nine, 10 win seasons in 13 years in the Super Bowl. Um, I think they're different situations, but we never questioned Sean Payton. And Sean Payton, of course, did, did a better job of maximizing Drew Brees' talent maybe, but because you, every, everybody would concede that, that Aaron's more athletic and more gifted than Drew, but neither team or neither quarterback has been historically surrounded by a lot of talent. And you look at McCarthy and you say, well, he didn't, they only won one Super Bowl. How do you do that with one of the goats? Well, Drew Brees might be behind Aaron. He might be ahead of, I think Drew's maximizes talent more than Aaron, but Ted Thompson didn't bring any, any talent to Green Bay for Mike to work with. And I think the hill was too steep for him to climb. And as you can see, like even on a year like this with a hot new young offensive coach, you squint at the numbers and you're like, Aaron's still scary as shit and the most fun guy to watch, but are they really being that efficient? Um, and I think honestly, McCarthy was always, was always campaigning for more talent there and Ted wouldn't give it to him. And now I, I bet you if McCarthy's watching the playoffs and that he's in a weird way rooting for Aaron because he wants to say, told you so, if you just gave him a little talent and a little talent, I mean, they're not even that talented on offense and defensively, that's where they loaded up, that you, they could be better. So I'd say this, like give Mike a chance. I think he's, I don't know if he's my favorite hire, but he's probably the right hire for Dallas. Not only do you have the TV element, the pop culture element of it, people, he's relevant right now. He did this documentary. Dallas is going to be different than Green Bay, very culturally different. Exposure's different, even for a, a, a franchise like Green Bay. But he's a guy who's not going to get in front of the camera, and that's Jerry's thing. And Jerry doesn't want anybody competing with him on that, on that, from that standpoint. Even though Jerry's less meddling than he was before, uh, it's more his son's team than it is his behind the scenes, it sounds like, from a decision-making standpoint. But he's the figurehead. You don't want your head coach standing between you and the uh, the pool of reporters every week. And that's not going to happen with him. I heard Urban Meyer wanted the job. And an update on Cowboys OC Kellen Moore. It looks like they're going to bring back Kellen Moore. And that could be dated by the time you hear this, this, uh, this pod. Um, and I think from a continuity standpoint, that's not bad. Um, and he'll have to learn, you know, a lot of what Mike McCarthy wants. Um, but personality-wise, that's really big to have the continuity from one year to the next. And from experience, I can only imagine for a quarterback, that's even bigger. Um, evidently, Moore also has an opportunity per rap sheet to go home and become the University of Washington OC under Jimmy Lake. Um, somebody can explain to me why... 
I guess, you know, I guess, I guess if he's trying to climb the ladder, it might be, he might be better off in Washington. I, I'm not sure. Um, you know, coaching wise, you, you, you had rumblings about Belichick going to New York. Obviously that's, that's dead. You had, um, you heard rumblings of him going to Dallas. That's dead. Whatever they're going to do in New England with that thing, they have a plan. And, um, I don't know if it's good or bad for Brady that Belichick's staying. People have speculated to to no end about where Brady's going to go if they're going to blow this thing up. They got a bunch of free agents. That was a bad way to end the season. Um, I've heard a bunch of teams floated. Half of it's just having fun and throwing some shit on the wall and hoping it sticks. I kind of did that in an article before the season for SI about how I thought Tom Brady might end up in. Um, in San Francisco, because I, my prediction was that San Francisco was going to be pretty good, but Jimmy G might not get get it done, and Tom would have a good year, and not maybe not a great year, and there'd be a falling out. That was my prediction. So I missed on most of it. Well, Tom didn't have a good year by his standards, but I missed on most of it. He also didn't have anybody through do. I missed on 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 most of the Jimmy G stuff. I think now when you look at the NFC, they're probably. Um, I think I think they're the odds-on favorite to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl, um, and they're, it ain't gonna happen. My prediction that I threw the shit I threw on the wall is not gonna stick. Now I want to throw some more shit on the wall. People have talked about the Chargers. I know you have to sell tickets there. Um, I know you have to fill that stadium. Um, I know that they do have some nice skill pieces, but when you look at that that division, why would Tom Brady, if he is leading, leaving? And again, if I had to bet the field or him staying, I'm probably betting him staying. But it ain't by as much as people think. Um, and I've heard people talk about the Chargers. I've heard talk of, people talk about Chicago. They're all plausible. But why would you go to, to L.A. if you're still trying to win and be in division with Patrick Mahomes? I, I know they lost a lot of close games, but you have to feel like if you had another chance to do something where there's a path of less resistance, you take it. Um, that's an established program in Kansas City. I know Kansas City wouldn't be excited about Phillip Rivers being replaced with um, Tom Brady, but could they really get over the hump in that division? Uh, and the warm weather would be great for him. Warm weather is good for any older dude. Makes your joints feel better. It's better for the family. I think Tom in general might feel like he's been outside in the cold for 20 years and he really wants that hot shower. And going and playing in Miami, in LA, somewhere warm, that could feel pretty relaxing. Um, and I think a lot of people are, you know, I think the unique thing about Tom is that anybody else who had six rings, they're done, right? They're, they're ready to walk away. Tom wants to win the next thing. Um, or if he doesn't want to win the next thing, it's about money or business. There's something else. Um, he's got it in his mind before he does it. And that's why I want to throw this hypothetical out. What if Tom Brady wants to open a big TB12 in Miami? I think that a TB12 in Miami would be a brilliant idea. And Tom, I know you're not a friend of the program necessarily, but I will invest in a TB12 in Miami if you do that. Give me a reason to come down to Miami. Shit. I know we were teammates. I never bother you. I try not to hit you up. 
But if you play in Miami, I'm hitting you up. I'm going to come down there. I used to crash on um, Greg Olson's couch in college when he played at U of, U of M. We used to party down there. Tom, I know, I know the house guest thing for you has been kind of hit or miss, but if you go play in Miami with B-Flow, closer direct flights to see the in-laws, right? Boston, South America, long way. Miami, closer. B-Flow. Just beat you guys. A lot of draft picks. They could draft a guy early. Um, and you could groom that guy. Because I'm really supportive of, you know, um, drafting a quarterback high who doesn't have to play right away. I think you could see something. If they really like Tua, you draft Tua. Tom coaches him up. He's playing in 80-degree weather. He's wearing white linen and doing white linen on the beach. Um, Christmas cards and family photo shoots. I could totally see it. Derby hats. Um, but on a real note, wherever Tom's going, I think uh, he's got to run the same offense. Uh, Manning did it in 2015 when he brought his offense with him. Uh, what happens if if Tom and McDaniel McDaniel's leave together and they go start a New England 2.0? Uh, I think McDaniels thinks that most head coaching opportunities aren't as good as the OC opportunity in New England. But if Tom leaves, then what what is it? You know, and with these twenty free agents, if they blow it up, you know, what is it? Um, and I think Tom's probably worn out. So the question to me is, who controls this this process? Is is it Tom? Calling the shots, or does he actually have to? If he wants to stay in New England, does does it have to be? Um, Robert Kraft or Bill Belichick making the call. And I think if Bill were asked, I'm not sure because they, they really guard this stuff close to the vest. I mean, there was the Jimmy G thing, but I would think Bill might want to draft a quarterback or bring somebody in. And I think Tom at some point just wants a little bit of, a little love. Like, you know, like it's been a long run. I've been busting my ass since the Super Bowl in 17. I haven't had a lot to, and especially since Gronk left and, and Devlin left, things have slowly deteriorated offensively for them. It couldn't get any worse in Miami from a skill, a skill standpoint on offense. They have more draft picks. Um, I'd like to see him down there. I think that'd be cool. I'd get a Brady jersey. Um, I'd get the Aqua one in a heartbeat, and I'd be down at all the games, and I would hit you up, Tom. So maybe I can crash on the couch. You know, Favre left for the Jets and didn't do well because – he was running a different offense, among other things. And we went to Minnesota. It was more the offense he ran. The offense was a lot closer. So um, just a little theorizing on Tom Brady um, before we get into the week and the rest of the dominoes fall as far as coaches, coordinators, etc. Everybody's eye is going to be on New England. Quick note before we roll, four best rushing teams in, in uh, the divisional round for the first time, Tennessee, Baltimore, San Francisco, Seattle. Um, that's the first time since 92 in the current format. You know, I think last year when you watched that 54-51 game with uh, the Chiefs and the Rams, you said this is the future. And now, of course, both teams were not the same this year. And for the Rams, they weren't over to, able to overcome some of the deficiencies and the changes. And for the, the Chiefs, they have morphed into a little bit more of a physical team. Um, 
I think some people probably see that stat and they say, well, r- rushing, rushing offenses are back. The Ravens are doing it. The Niners are doing it. Well, go find me a bunch of Shanahan's. You can't. Go find me a bunch of Lamar Jackson's. You can't. Oh, well, Tennessee's doing it. Go find me a bunch of Derrick Henry's. You can't. Um, Seattle's doing it. Well, they do it the old-fashioned way. They really commit to it at times to their detriment, and Pete just seems to be in the Stone Ages on some of the run-pass um, tendency situations. I think it's more of a, an obvious product of the teams in the lead are running the ball more, and the teams in the league just happened to this, this year all end up in, in the divisional round. Those are some of the best teams in the league. I think Seattle, out of any of them, at least lately, the last eight games of the season, was in the most close ball games and losing ball games. They were an outlier because I think they were unnecessarily committed to it at times. And again, I think if you're going to say Baltimore, um, you know, using that as an example, I will concede that the running game is changing the game, but it's not changing because everybody should go back to the, the Stone Ages because there's four teams that ran the ball well this year. Four teams ran the ball, ran the shit out of the ball because they had big leads. Um, you know, Baltimore being obviously the first, and then like the wrinkle of having Lamar, and you see it with other offenses around the league, but not to this to this level, is changing the run game. So, um, yeah, a lot of good running teams in the playoffs this weekend. We'll be back on Friday. Um, I do want to shout out Steve Gleason, uh, my buddy, who I'm proud to call a friend. I uh, really got to meet him for the first time last year um, at the Saints game before our playoff game that we lost. And obviously somebody who's who's battled ALS and given hope to so many people. Steve's one of those people that when you, um, and I know this is maybe a part of the, the design of why he speaks out so much. So I hate to sound corny, but when you're having a bad day, you're like, I haven't heard Steve Gleason complain once. And he makes light of his situation. He loves people intensely. He has fun. Um, And he's a cool dude, man. I think a lot of people see Steve for all the, the struggles that he's endured. And they should because he can inspire people and give hope to people and be a beacon for people and push for more research and, and whatnot. But um, I also see the guy that was playing football after Katrina and like made that big play in the game. And I think it was 07 or 08 um, on Monday night for the Saints. And I see, I see that guy in any teammate I've had. It could have been a special teamer. It could have been, you know, a position player. And it goes to show you that like, your life can change, and um, you take a lot of things for granted, and Steve doesn't do that. Obviously, he's had a lot of time to reflect and, and, uh, and kind of think about what can I do to make the world a better place, and he's done a tremendous job of doing that, um, considering everything. And Steve's going up to D.C. next week, and he was kind enough to, to invite me to, uh, to his uh, ceremony. He's getting like a congressional medal. Um, and I will, I will definitely be trying to get up there. So I just want to shout Steve out as not only somebody who obviously everybody knows is inspiring as hell, but a really cool dude. And, uh, and somebody who's got the perspective that we would all love to have, um, somebody who approaches every day and loves people like it's his last day. Um, 
and we could all do that more in our lives. Like, Steve, you're a stud, dude. Thank you for everything you do uh, for not only people that, that battle ALS, but people that are dealing with bullshit that seems so minuscule compared to what you deal with. Your attitude, positivity, perspective, again, um, helps a lot of people, and, and you've inspired me too. So I'm really honored uh, to come up there, and I look forward to hopefully getting up there next week. Uh, so congratulations, Steve. Again, happy birthday to my dad. Um, happy retirement to my brother. Um, and uh, I'll see you Friday, and we'll have a lot to talk about with the divisional round. We'll have another live watch this weekend, um, so check us out then. Um, yeah, that's about it. Take care.